Welcome back to the courtroom of current events here on Peter's Proffer. Today we're going to hit a current event dealing with Florida Amendment 4, the Voter Rights Restoration for Felonies Initiative. We're going to talk about what it actually means now that it's passed in Florida and how much it passed by. Um, And that's what we like to do here is hit the current events and the frequently asked questions from our listeners. So thanks for listening in. If you have a current event or a question you want us to answer, hit us up on social media at Tragos Law or send me an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com. Okay, so Florida Amendment 4. For all of us that live in Florida, we saw that on the ballots uh, recently in the November um, elections, and it did pass, and it passed at a rate of 65% for and 35% against. So a pretty big margin, and Florida actually had a lot of amendments passed. Almost all of them passed on the ballot this year. So, Pete, why don't you start out just kind of by telling us what the initiative was for Amendment 4. Uh, Amendment 4's initiative basically was a push to allow f- people that are convicted of felonies in the state of Florida to be able to regain their right to vote automatically. And that's the key term there. Automatically after the conclusion of whatever their terms of their sentence are. Because as of 2018, people with prior felonies never regain the right to vote in Florida until and unless a state board restores the individual's voting rights. Right. And, and So now why don't you say, so that's what it used to be. And what has changed? What is it now? Okay. Let me tell you what it was and then I'll kind of make sure. it walk you Go through ahead. it. Back... Uh, actually, during As of 2018, yeah, during Governor Chris is really when it, when it uh, came into play. There was something called a clemency board, and the clemency board was a number of people on a committee in uh, Tallahassee, and you, as a convicted felon, after you'd waited so many years, would apply to the clemency board to have a, what's called a restoration of rights, so you could, uh, for you know, uh, uh, lack of a better term, vote. And restoration of rights did not restoration of rights, excuse me, did not include you know gun ownership things like that. It was purely for voting, and you would have to fill out an application. And if the application was approved, and we know people who have done this. Oh, we've done this. And I've actually done it for people, and it's difficult. Oh, it's time consuming, and eventually you would wind up having an interview or you know in front of the committee up in Tallahassee, and they would make a determination whether or not they would allow you to have your rights restored. A pretty in-depth process, and frankly, most people didn't do it because it was so expensive to get through that it didn't make sense. Okay, and how many voters had their rights restored with this amendment change? Now, as of this amendment, 1.6 million people are going to have their rights uh, to vote restored. Which is 10% of the voting age population in Florida. So that's a huge amount of people. And talk about how that would have changed some of the previous elections in Florida. Well, it'd be huge because think about, frankly, the race for senator between uh, Rick Scott, who was our governor, and uh, Bill Nelson. Here is a a race that that was decided by less than 15,000 votes when it all was said and done. Um, The gubernatorial race, DeSantis versus Gillum. Another race that was within, I can't remember the specific details, but we're talking about within a half a percent of the overall uh, voter numbers. And even if you look back, uh, Rick Scott beat Charlie Chris back in 2014 by 65,000 votes. Um, if you look back to 2010, Rick Scott won by less than 100,000 votes. If you look at uh, Donald Trump, he won Florida by just over 100,000 votes. 
And we're talking about 1.6 million new people voting or have the ability to vote in Florida. So it could totally swing elections, depending on which side of the aisle these uh, convicted felons are on. So it could completely change how things go into the future. Um, So with that and with that political juice and that political power usually comes somebody backing it. So who was really backing this change with Amendment 4? What was the group? All right. Let me tell you. Before we get to the group, I'm going to tell you the number. $25 million was spent in the uh, the campaign for uh, for this particular amendment. Which is a significant amount of money, which should show you how important this decision was to somebody with a lot of money. Absolutely. And here's where it broke down. About $5.5 million came uh, from the American Civil Liberties Union. $5 million was in cash, and they did about a half a million dollars in what's called like-kind donations, which you could presume is probably the legal research and things like that. And the main group was the Floridians for a Fair Democracy um, that really pushed the support for Amendment 4. Right. They're the, I guess, the 501c3, meaning the nonprofit that actually pushed for, uh, for this amendment. There is another group called the 1630 Fund. Uh, They had about $4 million that they uh, donated. A a lady by the name of Liz Simmons, uh, individually, $1.1 million. Lori Michaels, individually, $800,000. And the League of Conservation Voters, another $800,000. Now, these are the ones that are reported. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people that have put in small dollar amounts, uh, you know, to get to that 25 million. Okay, and then let's talk. Let's let's just mention something that we didn't mention off the bat. It does exclude murder, uh, murderous felonies, and sexually violent felonies. Correct. So, so it's not those people don't have their uh, voting rights restored uh, after their prison sentence. And we also let's let's get even more detailed. These voting rights are restored after they serve their time in prison and then their parole or probation. And Florida doesn't have parole, but other states have used the verbiage of parole. So it's parole, probation, and prison time. So they have to serve out their entire sentence. Then they get their voting rights back. Not automatically after their conviction, but they have to actually serve out their sentence until before they get their voting rights. Right. Their sentence has to be concluded, meaning if the, I'm just using the, the example. If you went to prison, you have to go to prison. If there's you know five years of probation afterwards, you have to finish the five years of probation. If you violate the probation and they extend it out, you've got to finish that. You have to have you have to be clear of and the technical term is all sanctions. And there were some opponents to uh, Amendment Four. Some people that were mentioned were. Uh, Adam Putman, Putnam, who was one of the uh, leaders to be the next governor, but he ended up losing to DeSantis in the primaries, um, Republican Richard uh, Corcoran and the Florida Family Policy Council are listed as some of the major opponents of uh, Amendment 4. And, and you'd be surprised, some of the arguments against it actually were not just that they didn't want felonies to have a vote, but they did say that um, basically a lot of people had problems with the fact that it was so broad. It wasn't a case-by-case basis. There was no board deciding whether this person deserves their rights back or not. And even some people felt like it was discriminatory to sexually violent uh, felons or uh, uh, people that were convicted of murder. They think they should have gotten their rights restored as well. Or in the alternative, because the the amendment is written this way, those felons are never going to get their rights restored. So that's another issue is it almost closes the door on more serious felonies and makes it obviously so much easier on some of the lesser felonies to get their voting rights restored. One of the things that people, I think, don't think recognize is that the 
prohibition of voting as a felon starts from colonial days. I mean, this is part of... Uh, because they were trying to entice people not to commit felonies. Of course. Right. But understand, when we talk about felonies and high crimes, that used to be the term we're talking about 300 years ago. That was murder, you know, mayhem, which means cutting somebody's body part off, uh, you know, sex crimes, things like that. Those are the extent of felonies back then. But now you're talking about, you know, possession of a, of a prescription pill without a, without a prescription. Medicare fraud. Medicare fraud. Right. Yeah. And those things just, there is so much that encompasses a felony anymore that precludes your right to vote. It just got to be too much. At least that's how the state of Florida felt. So how does this differ across the nation? What states, let's first talk about the four states that Florida used to be in that had this kind of prohibition of, of voting rights for uh, felons. Yeah, it used to be Florida, Iowa, Kentucky, and Virginia, and there was a no right to be regained uh, after a felony conviction unless some state officer or you know a board restored that person's rights. For example, the governor would pardon you and you could get your voting rights back. Right, and now we, are, uh, we join 19 other states who restore the right to vote after all prison time, parole, or probation is completed. So there are uh, 19 other states that have the same the same kind of verbiage that we have now. But as you see, that's that's uh, 19 or that's 20 plus three. So that's 23. So there's still 27 other states that do it differently. Yeah. Now, listen to this. Two states, Maine and Vermont, they don't even rescind a felon's right to vote. You can actually vote while you are incarcerated in those two states. Mm -hmm. Uh, 14 states and Washington, D.C. restore voting rights upon the completion of a prison sentence, meaning that once you get out of prison itself, even though you're on probation, you now get your rights back. Um, and four of those states restore voting rights upon the completion of prison and parole time, which is what we are now. So it's it's a really hard balancing act because while I obviously agree that we should do everything we can to try to keep people from committing serious crimes like felonies, there does have to be a balance on what you take and how somebody can get that back once they're rehabilitated because you do the crime, you do the time, right? I mean, that's that's the 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 phrase and because they... They serve their sentence, and now they should get their rights restored. They should try to become a, a, a contributing member of society now that they've finished their time, and that kind of takes the next, next step in that. Yeah, the one thing that I haven't figured out yet, and we'll see how it pans out, the law has been passed, now it's a matter of applying it. For those of you that are curious about what I'm talking about, think about medical marijuana. The law passed, what, a year, a year and a half ago? We still don't have a really good uh, method to, to, to make that happen. So we still have to have process in the state of Florida to actually enact this thing. I'm curious to see how many lawsuits start coming through there, especially with the federal courts, because just because you can vote for your local uh, you know, state representative or you can vote for— Yeah, but for... that probably won't be a problem since there's already 19 other states that do it this way. Yeah, but what about your federal voting? In other words, voting for president. Right, and what I'm saying is because there's already so many other states that are more liberal than we are now, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, there's going to be a system, but I'm sure we're going to be fighting out in the courts at some point. Right, and it seems as though when we're talking about what this looks like going into the future, it seems as though— this was more of a liberal movement than a conservative movement, meaning the Democrats were pushing this more than the Republicans, which makes me think, obviously, I guess the Democrats think that more of these voters are going to vote Democrat than Republican. Um, so that could swing elections going forward, especially Pre in Florida. Yeah, presuming a state those like people, ours, that's a swing state and all these elections are so close. Right. Presuming those people show up to vote. The next part about it is, and I think there are some studies that show as people progress in the course of their lives, they switch party affiliations, and it happens, you know, in both right, directions. Right, and you never know who, you know, might have been convicted of a felony for something stupid when they were eighteen years old is now in a position where politically they're more Republican. And than they we are. know, we know plenty of 
of Republicans and Democrats that that would fall into this of category course. that are having their their rights restored. Right. So I think we don't know how it's going to affect the future, but it could be huge because of the number of people it is affecting. So hopefully you learned something about Amendment 4. Um, again, if you have any questions or comments for us, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or SoundCloud, thanks for listening in. And as always, you can find us on social media at Tragos Law. <laughs>